Welcome to a series about wisdoms of the Bible. Our theme, Managing for the Master. Oh, what could that be? What are we going to talk about? When we think of all the blessings we have received from our Lord Jesus Christ, how could we give back? Could we show our love for him? Let's talk about this. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Grace be with you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. In our series, Wisdom of the Bible, our theme, Managing for the Master, till he comes. Lesson 10. Giving back. Our memory text for this week we find in Revelation 14 verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Their works do follow them. The rich fool. Once, one day, someone stepped up to Jesus saying the following. We find this in Luke 12, verse 13. Master, speak to my brother that he divides the inheritance with me. It's a, a normal question. And Jesus answered, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? So Jesus says, that's not my business. My priority is some, something else. That's not my priority. Being a, a divider or a, a judge over money and possessions and so on. And then, therefore, because of this introduction, he says, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And then we hear a parable of Jesus. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But... But 
God said unto him, You fool, this night your soul shall be required of you. This night. Then whose shall those things be which you have provided? So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich to what God. Jesus' parable. It's important, very important. So this man was clever. He made plans for the future, but only to the point of his death, not beyond death. And that was his problem. Not beyond death. And he should have planned beyond death. And this is what Jesus wants to tell us in this parable. This is the point. You can plan and for years and years, but what about the time beyond when you rest in the earth? What then? Have you planned for this experience? Have you done so? So it's so important to make your plans beyond death. Not just for this life. Because this can be finished this very day. This very day. So, Jesus wants to help us to think far beyond all the experience we had up to now. You can't take it with you. <laughs> this is something we, we have to learn beforehand. You can't take anything of your possessions with you. The day you die, it's gone. You are not the owner anymore. From one second to the other. There's a difference because of your death. When Paul wrote to his co-worker, Timothy, he wrote the following, and we find this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And there were things. But she that lives in pleasure, oh no, chapter 6, not chapter 5. And there was 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. That's for certain. <laughs> we can carry Nothing out of this planet. As soon as you're dead, it's gone. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction, and perdition. 
But so many want to be rich. And then they fall into temptation. So these sentences, these verses, uh, they, they want to help us to make it better than many other people. Not only does life go by quickly, that's one point, but when you die, you take nothing with you, at least of the material goods that you have accumulated. The only thing you can take with you is your character. That's the only, really the only thing. So it's important developing a character in harmony with God's character. So, in Psalm 49, verse 17, we read the, the same idea. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. And it's good to know about this before you die. Later on, it's just gone. Forever gone. And during this time here, we have time for decisions. But if we don't use this time for decisions, others will make decisions afterwards, after our death. Okay, you can say, well, I will write my testament. Okay. But if you want to give money to God's work, <clears throat> the earlier, the better. Your money can help that people find their Savior now. Not in one year or ten years or whatever. Now. Because people tend to be dead one day. So maybe your money, we say, well, this should be for God's work. But if it is not given back now, it cannot work for saving souls now. And people die day by day. So there is a responsibility within us to act quicker than before. God wants us to be satisfied with that, what we are doing. Therefore, he gives hints and shows us what's the better way so that we can improve our giving. Begin with personal needs. In the Proverbs of King Solomon, we read in chapter 27, from verse 23 onwards. Be you diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. Oh, why, sir? Why should we take care of them? For riches are not forever. And does the ground endure to every generation? He is a king. He has a crown on his head. 
And he knows, does the ground endure to every generation? His son made a terrible mistake after Solomon had died. And this terrible mistake led to the division so that a kingdom was divided into a northern part Israel and a southern part Judah. And just because of one big mistake in his words. So the new young king act, did not act as wisely as Solomon had acted. <laughs> he made a terrible mistake. And this divided kingdom, never ever, it was united. No more union anymore. Never. So one mistake of a king, and it's gone. Therefore, Solomon knew about this. The crown, does it endure to every generation? And there were only two tribes. The son of Solomon was king. Ten tribes left under Jeroboam. We go on, verse 25. The hay appears and the tender grass shows itself and herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for your clothing and the goats are the price of the field. Oh, wonderful words. And you shall have goat's milk, enough for your food, for the food of your household and for the maintenance for your maidens. If you do the following, as we have heard in verse 23, be you diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds, then you will get all of these. But only then, if you look well to your hurts. So you have personal needs. You need something to eat and something to shelter. But what about the things beyond that? Aren't we there a part of our culture? So if we live in a modern Western state with much luxury... And then we think that's normal. No, it's not. It's much too much. And we attempt it to gather together, gather together, and more and more and more. And in the end, what was it for? I'll take care that you don't fall into this trap. Death's bad charity. Many, many people I've seen as a pastor accompanying them for the last days and hours and minutes that they wanted to give back much of their possessions to the work of the Lord, to God's church. And they waited till death's bad. And this is called death's bad charity. But this is not God's plan. 
you should act beforehand. First of all, you do not know if you still have the intelligence and the brain to act wisely in such a situation. Of course, you can write your testament now, but the quicker, the earlier you are in your decisions in giving money to the work of the Lord, the better. Because you can save souls when money is used in this way. And if you do not need it anymore, and you want to give it to the church anyway, you why not doing it now? It's double worth doing it now. You never know what the worth of the money will be in these years ahead. You don't know what will be with you, which laws of the government will be formed. Maybe everything else is different then. So you, you are not sure if it really works then. But if you do it now, then you know. And you see the results of all these actions. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, we read, While we look not at the things which are seen, we look not, but we look at the things which are not seen. Huh? How can you do that? For the things which are seen are temporal, and will be gone one day. But the things which are not seen are eternal. That's the view of the Apostle Paul, looking far beyond into the future. The things which are not seen, we've just heard about them, we have read them in the Bible, they are eternal. And everything else being here on this planet, it's just for some time and then gone. No more worth anymore. In the first epistle to Timothy, the Apostle Paul gives advice for his co-worker. And then, we read in chapter 6, verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. When you have much money, then there's a tendency to be high-minded. Nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Don't trust in riches but trust in the living God. Spiritual Legacy When you take time as a father of your family to be together in a morning devotional worship and an evening devotional worship, your family will be blessed. That's something of the best you can do daily, morning, evening, 
like the sacrifices at the temple in Israel. This time together with your kids, daily, every morning, every evening, it will be such a great blessing. If all people knew how great the blessings are, oh, they, they, would, they would be quick in doing so. We are stewards and managers of what God has entrusted to us. And if we pass it on to the next generation, the blessing goes on. And there are many advantages to giving now while we live. And here we find on this page eight advantages. First, the donor actually can see the results of the gift. For example, a new church building, a new person in college, an evangelistic campaign funded, etc. Second, if you give now, <laughs> The ministry or person can benefit now when the need is greatest. The quicker you give, the quicker the result. Number three, there is no fighting among family or friends after your death because everything is arranged beforehand. No more fighting. Number four, it sets a good example of family values of generosity and love for others. You are watched and they see how you act. Number five, giving now. It minimizes estate tax consequences. The bigger the amount, the more tax consequences. Number six, giving now, it guarantees that the gift will be made to your desired entity. So if you want to give it anyway, why not giving it now? Yeah, well, as long as I live, yeah, do you want to change your will? Do you want to change like Ananias and Sapphira? This wouldn't be wise. So if you want to give, why not doing it now? Then you see the results. Number seven, giving now. It demonstrates that the heart of the donor has been changed from selfishness to unselfishness. So you, you are someone who is seen by family members, friends, and to see, ah, this person, he has given away money, possessions to the church long before he plans to die. <laughs> Normally we plan to die far, far away. <laughs> but reality is something sometimes different. Number eight, giving now it stores up treasures in heaven, which is the best of all. Summary. A quotation by Alan T. White from the book Councils on Stewardship, page three, 
two, three. There we find estate planning. And now a quotation from Testimonies for the Church in Volume 4, page 480. That which many propose to defer until they are about to die. This is, this is not so good, thinking like this. So if you are one of these. If they were Christians indeed, they would do while they have a strong hold on life. They would do it beforehand. They would devote themselves and their property to God, and while acting as his stewards, they would have the satisfaction of doing their duty. By becoming their own executors, they could meet the claims of God themselves, instead of shifting the responsibility upon others. It's good to know, I wanted to do this, I wanted to help God's work, and then I give, and then I see the results, and a load, a heavy load, has been taken away from my soul. I don't have to think about it and have I done everything correct and will it be done in the way after my death as I had wished or, 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 or. You can now, when you are full of power, full of strength and your capacity of your brain is still okay, when you can do it now and you can see the results now, it will be a wonderful satisfaction. Seeing, oh, this church building could be erected because of my giving the gift. This person could study at a college, a university, this gifted person, working for the master afterwards. This book could be published because of my giving away now, not sometime in the future. So it's always a blessing. If we look at the photograph here, here we see euros of the European Union, so it's nearly the same like a dollar, a bit more in worth. And these euros, these dollars, this money, how would we like to use it? How will it be used when we wait and how will it be used when we do not wait in spending it for the work of God? Remember what will it be when you are in front of God and he asks you, what have you done with all your possessions? And it's much better if we can say, that, oh, when I was still in full <laughs> power of my brain and my, my muscles and so on, I showed how I would like my money to be divided. And it's always better to be quick in this aspect than to be too late. This would be a horrible idea. <laughs>